0: Chapter 2 The previous history of Ivan Ilyich was the simplest, the most ordinary, and the most awful. Ivan Ilyich died at the age of forty five, a member of the Judicial Council. He was the son of an official whose career in Petersburg, through various ministries and departments, had been such as leads people into that position in which, though it is distinctly obvious that they are unfit to perform any kind of real duty, they yet cannot, owing to their long past service and their official rank, be dismissed, and they therefore receive a specially created fictitious post, and by no means fictitious thousands, from six to ten, on which they go on living till extreme old age. Such was the privy councillor, the superfluous member of various superfluous institutions, Ilya Efimovitch Golovin. He had three sons. Ivan Ilyich was the second son. The eldest son's career was exactly like his father's, only in a different department, and he was by now close upon that stage in the service in which the same uh, sinecure would be reached. The third son was the unsuccessful one. He had, in various positions, always made a mess of things, and was now employed in the railway department. And his father and his brothers, and still more their wives, did not merely dislike meeting him, but avoided, except in extreme necessity, recollecting his existence. His sister had married Baron Greff, the Petersburg official of the same stamp as his father-in-law. Ivan Ilyich was le phoenix de la famille, or... The translation is the phoenix of the family, as people said. He was not so frigid and precise as the eldest son, nor so wild as the youngest. He was the happy meaning between them, a shrewd, lively, pleasant, and well-bred man. He had been educated with his younger brother at the school of jurisprudence. The younger brother had not finished the school course, but was expelled when in the fifth class. Ivan Ilyich. Completed the course successfully. At school, he was just the same as he was later on all his life an intelligent fellow, highly good humored and sociable, but strict in doing what he considered to be his duty. His duty, he considered, whatever was so considered by those persons who were set in authority over him. He was not a toady as a boy, nor later on as a grown up person, but from his earliest years he was attracted as a fly to the light, to persons of good standing in the world, assimilated their manners and their views of life, and established uh, friendly relations with them. All the enthusiasms of childhood and youth passed, leaving no great traces in him. He gave way to sensuality and to vanity, and latterly, when in the higher classes at school, to liberalism, but always keeping within certain limits Which were unfailingly marked out for him by his instincts. At school he had committed actions which had struck him beforehand as great vileness and gave him a feeling of loathing for himself at the very time he was committing them. But later on, perceiving that such actions were committed also by men of good position and were not regarded by them as base, he was able not to regard them as good but to forget about them completely and was never mortified by recollections of them. Leaving the school of jurisprudence in the tenth class, and receiving from his father a sum of money for his outfit, Ivan Ilyich ordered his clothes at Scharmer's, Schwar- um, which is a fashionable tailoring establishment in St. Petersburg, according to the footnote, hung on his watch chain a medallion inscribed, respice in Latin, that is, look, toward the end, said goodbye to the prince who was the principal of his school, had a farewell dinner with his comrades at Donin's, which is the fancy restaurant in St. Peter, Petersburg, and with all his new fashionable belongings, traveling trunk, linen, suits of clothes, shaving and toilet appurtenances, apper, and traveling rug, all ordered and purchased at the very best shops set off to take the post of secretary on special commissions for the governor of a province, a post which had been obtained for him by his father. In the province, Ivan Ilyich, without loss of time, made himself a position as easy and and agreeable um, as his position had been in the school of jurisprudence. He did his work, made his career, and at the same time led a life of well-bred social gaiety. Occasionally he visited various districts on official duty, behaved with dignity both with his superiors and his inferiors, and with exactitude and an incorruptible honesty of which he could not help feeling proud, performed the duties with which he was entrusted, principally having to do with the dissenters. When engaged in official work he was, in spite of his youth and taste for frivolous amusement, amusements, Exceedingly reserved, official, and even severe. But in social life he was often amusing and witty, and always good-natured, well-bred and bon enfant, which is uh, a good fellow, (laughs) as was said of him by his chief and his chief's wife, with whom he was like one of the family. In the province there was, too, a connection with one of the ladies, who obtruded their charms on the stylish young lawyer. There was a dressmaker, too, and there were drinking bouts with smart officers visiting the neighborhood, and visits to a certain outlying street after supper. There was a rather cringing obsequiousness in his behavior, too, with his chief and even his chief's wife. But all this was accompanied with such a tone of the highest breeding that it could not be called by harsh names. It all came under the rubric of the French, saying, Le la que pas, or, and I'm sure that is a terrible pronunciation, but um, the footnote said it means, youth must have its day. Everything was done with clean hands, in clean shirts, with French phrases, and, what was of most importance, in the highest society, and consequently with the, the approval of people of rank. Such was Ivan Ilyich's career for five years, and then came a change in his official life. New methods of judicial procedure were established, new men were wanted to carry them out, and Ivan Ilyitch became such a new man. Ivan Ilyich was offered the post of examining magistrate, and he accepted it in spite of the fact that this post was in another province, and he would have to break off all the ties he had formed and form new ones. Ivan Ilyich's friends met together to see him off, had their photographs taken in a group, presented him with a silver cigarette case, and he set off to his new post. As a as an examining magistrate, Ivan Ilyich was a comme il fait, uh, faux and um proper that means proper in French, apparently, as well bred, as adroit in keeping official duties apart from private life. And as successful in gaining universal respect as he had been as Secretary of Private Commissions, the duties of his new office were in themselves a far greater interest, of far greater interest and attractiveness for Ivan Ilyitch. In his former post, it had been pleasant to pass in his smart uniform from Sharmer's Sh- uh, through the crowd of petitioners and officials waiting timorously um, and envying him and to march with his easy swagger straight into the governor's private room, there to sit down with him to tea and cigarettes. But the persons directly subject to his authority were few. The only such persons were the district police superintendents and the dissenters when he was serving on special commissions. And he liked treating such persons affably, almost like comrades, liked to make them feel that he, able to annihilate them, was behaving in this simple, friendly way with them. But such people were then few in number. Now, as an examining magistrate, Ivan Ilyich felt that everyone, everyone without exception, the most dignified, the most self-satisfied people, all were in his hands, and that he had but to write certain words on a, piece of, on a sheet of paper with the printed heading, and this dignified self satisfied person would be brought before him in the capacity of a defendant or a witness, and if he did not care to make him sit down, he would have to stand up before him and answer his questions. Ivan Ilyich never abused abused this authority of his. On the contrary, he tried to soften the expression of it. But the consciousness of this power, and the possibility of softening its effects constantly, constituted for him the chief interest and attractiveness of his new position in the work itself in the preliminary inquiries that is Ivan Ilyitch very rapidly acquired the art of setting aside every consideration irrelevant to the official aspect of the case and of reducing every cause however complex to that form in which it could be in a purely external fashion he put on paper completely excluding his personal view of the matter and what was of paramount importance observing all the necessary formalities all this work was new and he was one of the first men who put into put it, uh, into practical working the reforms in judicial procedure enacted in 1864 on setting settling in a new town in his position as examining magistrate Ivan Ilyitch made new acquaintances, formed new ties, took up a new line, and adopted a rather different attitude. He took up an attitude of somewhat dignified aloofness towards the provincial authorities, while he picked out the best circle among the legal gentlemen and wealthy gentry living in the town, and adopted a tone of slight dissatisfaction with the government, moderate liberalism, and lofty civic virtue. With this, while making no change in the elegance of his get-up, Ivan Ilyitch, in his new office, gave up shaving, and left his beard free to grow as it liked. Ivan Ilyitch's existence in the new town proved to be very agreeable. The society which took the line of opposition to the governor was friendly and good. His income was large, and he found a source of increased enjoyment in whist, at which he began to play at this time. And having a faculty for playing cards good humoredly he began rapid and exact in his, and being rapid and exact in his calculations, he was, um, as a rule, on the winning side. After living two years in the new town, Ivan Ilyich met his future wife, Praskovia Fedorovna Mikhail. was the most attractive, clever, and brilliant gir- girl in the set in which Ivan Ilyitch moved. Among other amusements and recreations after his labors as a magistrate, Ivan Ilyitch started a light, playful flirtation with Praskovia, Praskovia Fedorovna. Ivan Ilyich, when he was an assistant secretary, had danced as a rule. As an examining magistrate, he danced only as an exception. He danced now, as it were, under protest, as though to show that though I am serving on the new reformed legal code, and am of the fifth class in official rank. Still, if it comes to a question of dancing, in that line, too, I can do better than others. In this spirit, he danced now and then towards the end of the evening with Preskovia Fedorovna, and it was principally during these dances that he won the heart of Preskovia Fedorovna. She fell in love with him. Ivan Ilyich had no clearly defined intention of marrying, but when he, when the girl fell in love with him, he put the question to himself. "'After all, why not get married?' he said to himself. "'The young lady, Praskovia Fedorovna, was of good family, nice-looking. There was a little bit of property. Ivan Ilyich might have reckoned on a more brilliant match, but this was a good match. Ivan Ilyich had his salary. She, he hoped, would have as much of her own. It was a good family.' She was a pretty, sweet, and perfectly comme il faut uh, young woman. To say that Ivan Ilyich got married because he fell in love with his wife and found in her sympathy uh, found in her sympathy with his views of life would be as untrue as to say that he got married because the people of his world approved of the match. Ivan Ilyich was influenced by both considerations. He was doing what was agreeable to himself in securing such a wife, and at the same time doing what persons of higher standing looked upon as the correct thing. And Ivan Ilyitch got married. The process itself of getting married and the early period of married life, with the conjugal caresses, the new furniture, the new crockery, the new house linen, all put up to the time of his wife's pregnancy, went off very well so that Ivan Ilyich had already begun to think so far from marriage, breaking up that kind of frivolous, agreeable, light-hearted life, always uh, decorous and always approved by society, which he regarded as the normal life, it would even increase in its agreeableness. But at that point, in the early months of his wife's pregnancy, there came in a new element, unexpected, unpleasant, tiresome and unseemly, which could never have been anticipated, and from which there was no escape. His wife, without any kind of reason, it seemed to Ivan Ilyich, de gait decor, uh, for the sake, or I guess it de gait, de, de decor, I don't know, um, means for the sake of amusement in French, as he expressed it, began to disturb the disagreeableness and decorum of their life. She began without any sort of justification to be jealous, exacting in her demands on his attention, squabbled over everything, and treated him to the coarsest and most unpleasant scenes. At first, Ivan Ilyich hoped to escape from the unpleasantness of this position by taking up the same frivolous and well-bred line that had served him well on other occasions of difficulty. He endeavored to ignore his wife's ill-humor, Went on living light-heartedly and agreeably as before, invited friends to play cards, tried to get away uh, himself to the club or to his friends. But his wife began on one occasion with such energy, abusing him in such coarse language, and so obstinately persisted in her abuse of him every time he failed in carrying out her demands obviously having made up her mind firmly to persist till he gave way, that is, stayed at home and was as dull as she was, that Ivan Ilyich took alarm. He perceived that matrimony, at least with his wife, was not invariably conducive to the pleasures and proprieties of life, but, on the contrary, often destructive of them, and that it was therefore essential to erect some barrier to protect himself from these disturbances." and Ivan Ilyich began to look out for such means of protecting himself. His official duties were the only thing that impressed Praskovia Fedorovna, and Ivan Ilyich began to use his official position and the duties arising from it in his struggle with his wife to fence off his own independent world apart. With the birth of the baby, the attempts at nursing it, and the various unsuccessful experiments with foods, with the illnesses, real and imaginary, of the infant and its mother, in which Ivan Ilyich was expected to sympathize, though he never had the slightest idea about them. The need for him to fence off a world apart for himself outside his family life became still more imperative. As his wife grew more irritable and exacting, so did Ivan Ilyich more and more transfer the center of gravity of his life to his official work. He became fonder and fonder of official life, and more ambitious than he had been. Very quickly, not more than a year after his wedding, Ivan Ilyitch had become aware that conjugal life, though providing certain comforts, was in reality a very intricate and difficult business, towards which one must, if one is to do one's duty, that is, lead the decorous life uh, approved by society, work out for oneself a definite line, just as in the government service. In such a line, Ivan Ilyich did work out for himself in his married life. He expected from his home life only those comforts, of dinner at home, of housekeeper and bed which it could give him, and, above all, that perfect propriety in external um, observations required by public opinion. For the rest, he looked for good-humored pleasantness, and if he found it, he was very thankful. If he met with antagonism and quer- querulousness, he promptly retreated into the separate world he had shut off for himself in his official life, and there he found solace. Ivan Ilyitch was prized as a good official, and three years later was made assistant public prosecutor. The new duties of this position, their dignity, the possibility of bringing want anyone to trial and putting anyone in prison—the publicity of the speeches and the success Ivan Ilyich had in that part of his work—all this made his official work still more attractive to him. Children were born to him. His wife became steadily more querulous and ill-tempered, but the line Ivan Ilyich had taken up for himself in home life put him almost out of reach of her grumbling— After seven years of service in the same town, Ivan Ilyich was transferred to another province with the post of public prosecutor. They moved, money was short, and his wife did not like the place they had moved to. The salary was indeed a little higher than before, but their expenses were larger. Besides, a couple of children died, and home life consequently became even less agreeable for Ivan Ilyich. For every mischance that occurred in their new place of residence, Praskovia Fedorovna blamed her husband. The greater number of subjects of conversation between husband and wife, especially the education of the children, led to questions which were associated with previous quarrels, and quarrels were ready to break out at every instant. There remained only those rare periods of being in love which did indeed come upon them, but never lasted long. These were the islands at which they put in for a time, but they soon set off again upon the ocean of concealed hostility that was made manifest in their aloofness from one another. This aloofness might have distressed Ivan Ilyich if he had believed that this ought not to be so, but by now he regarded his position as perfectly normal, and it was indeed the goal towards which he worked in his home life. His aim was to make himself more and more free from the unpleasant aspects of domestic life, and to render them harmless and decorous. And he attained this aim by spending less and less time with his family, and when he was forced forced to be at home, he endeavored to secure his tranquility by the presence of outsiders. The great thing for Ivan Ilyich was having his office. In the official world, all the interest of life was concentrated for him and this interest absorbed him the sense of his own power the consciousness of being able to ruin anyone he wanted to ruin even the external dignity of his office when he made his entry into the court or met subordinate officials his success in the eyes of his superiors and his subordinates and above all his masterly handling of cases of which he was conscious all this delighted him and together with chat with his colleagues dining out, and whist, filled his life. So that, on the whole, Ivan Ilyich's life still went on in the way he thought it should go, agreeably and decorously. So he lived for another seven years. His eldest daughter was already sixteen, another child had died, and there was left only one other, a boy at the high school, a subject of dissension, Ivan Ilich wanted to send him to the school of jurisprudence while prescovia fedorovna to uh, spite him sent him to the high school the daughter had been educated at home and had turned out well the boy too did fairly well at his lessons